Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on? We are back with the Vigor Life Podcast and none other than my friend and coach extraordinaire, Mike <laughs> Robertson. What's back up, my on guy? The show. What's going on, my brother? Man, Nothing, every man. time I have you on, I mean, it really just becomes a conversation of two coaches riffing and trying to organize it in a way that makes it easier yeah. for everybody to understand, I think. Um, yes. But we, we talked right before we kind of went live on this one that this show specifically, this episode is going to be about in-person coaching. Okay. Yep. Not to, not to hate on online, but in-person, although I guarantee you like a lot of this stuff, you'll be able to transfer it to anything, but specifically in-person because we're going to talk about when you are in front of somebody and this could be a semi-private, it could be one-on-one, could even be a small group, you know, how to coach the best possible from aspects of communication to the movement that you're looking for, to how to progress or regress somebody. Everything that fits, I call this, I actually categorize it on the floor coaching because to me off the floor coaching is accountability emails, texts, uh, things that, again, communication that's not face-to-face and it's not there while you're coaching them. So so this is going to be on the floor coaching, deep dive with me and Mike Robertson. Let's go. Let's with, my, with my radio voice. So, <laughs> I, get, I remember when we did an excellent show years ago. If you haven't listened to that one, it was like 10 years, you know, 10 lessons from 10 years plus years owning a gym. But instead of, I want to kind of go, I, we don't know how many numbers are going to be today, by the way. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just going to get after it. But I, I do like, you know, if we start going down to bullet points on the floor coaching, you know, what are some things that you're like, look, almost principles, right? If you're, if you got a coach and you're like, this is, you know, you're Yoda and it's like, this is a young Jedi, they're coming in and it's like, I have to teach you the ways. Mm-hmm. And what are the, you know, what are the the ways that you're going to teach them, especially the non-negotiables? Because I think yeah. we could go for a week straight talking about this, but what are these non-negotiables? Like, I have to teach this young Jedi, you know, these principles of on the floor coaching that are musts for them to be a successful coach, successful being you know, that their clients get results, they have a great experience and that they stay for a long period of time. So it's good for business too. Yep. Number one period is just be a great human being and try and connect with the person in front of you, period. Like there is, if you don't do one, there is no two, three, four, five, ten. 10. Like that is entry level. And I think that's, you know, it's it's easy to, to gloss over that or to talk about that. But man, like if you're not a great human being, if you're not trying to really understand this person that you're working with, if you're not trying to forge a relationship, really strengthen that that bond, you're not going to be successful. You're not going to have time to show what you really can do. And I think this is something I learned very, very early on in my career, because let's be real here. When you're starting out, none of us are great coaches. None of us are LeBron James, like just the chosen one. Like we're all awkward. We're all trying to find our way when we're getting started. But what keeps people coming back to you early? What keeps people coming back to you early on, right? It's not your technical skill, right? It's not like you're this amazing program designer. No, it's like they like you. They trust you. And so I think ultimately what happens is as a young coach, if you can create these relationships, if you can forge these bonds, over time, what happens is it gives you the time to become a great coach. Mm. But you got to be the good human first. Does that make sense? Great point. And and you know what? I want to dive deeper on this one. Two 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 points I wanted to make. One is yep. my, the three books that I have our interns read have nothing to do with like training, mm-hmm. right? Not not because I don't teach training or you know I got videos and this that the other, but it's the Go Giver by Bob Berg book that I can you know I know that's is aggressive to say. It changed my life, but it definitely changed my perspective on 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 life and business. Never Eat, Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. Yep. And The Leader with No Title. Sorry, fourth one is How to Win Friends and Influence People, which maybe yep. should have been first. But in <laughs> three months, those are four books, right? Every, notice, none of them have anything to do with, you know, your knee should be pointing down at the lunge and your pelvis should be <laughs> square and all these things, right? Right, like, right. Because it's all about value, connecting with people, how to, you know, I know it's like how to be obviously likable yeah. because that's an incredibly important thing. So that's the foundation. And I think the other part that I wanted to say here is like, so again, reading and educating yourself on the people that have been successful in connecting with people. That's, that's I actually just put up a IG post of like nine books 
every coach oh, yeah. that are on communication. Yep. And there's a bunch missing because you only you only yeah. get ten. You only get nine or ten slides, right? But, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think you could start there. But number two is like, how do you become a great human? And I'm like, you gotta be in an environment where you have you can see that so that somebody shows you how to, right? Yeah. Um, and I say that because you know, I've been around in my life of not great humans and put myself in that environment and that rubbed off on me, you know, and I started yeah, becoming not sure. a great human. And so you could have, and I give this example because it could be like, oh man, this guy knows training like so well and they're so good at it, the, but they're like just a dick. Right? <laughs> yeah. They, don't treat, they yeah. don't treat people well. And yeah, and it's like, and it could, you know, when you're young and, and you're impressionable and you know, you're, you're working for somebody or somebody's mentoring you, like you, you have to like become aware of that and be like, Hey, how are they treating people? Because if they treat people well, I guarantee you, even if they're not great on that, like program design, you know, coaching cues, this, that part, they'll, they'll still have good business because people will keep coming back. And I, I know that from my experience in working big box gyms, uh, I, I know that there were some at the beginning, I was like, how is that girl? Like there's a specific, you know, person that worked with me. I really liked a really nice person. And, but you know, the training skills, I was like, what the hell's yeah, going on? Yeah. But man, she kept clients for years and years and years and years. And I would, you know, go to lunch and go like, Hey, like, tell me a little bit more about this. And I, without, you know, I try not to be like, Hey, your training sucks, but it was just like, <laughs> some things. and she was just so good about checking in and caring and the way yeah. she would communicate, made people feel safe. And like, like she looked excited every time somebody was training with her. Right. Like, yep. Which, by the way, is the number one no no on the planet. I posted this the other day. I was like, this is the absolute like you're done. Right. To me is if you come in and you look like you don't want to be there while you're coaching. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. Because there's, there's nothing that makes the client feel worse to be like, oh, man, this person doesn't want to be there. It's important to me, but like this person doesn't even want to, right? Yep. So I, I know I riffed that, but, but it's important because I want to operationalize for somebody that's like, okay, well, listen, you know, how do I do that? It's like, you know, read and study and learn, but be around people that have those values and, and kind of uh, skill sets because that's going to, you're going you're gonna to see how it looks like in real life, right? Rather yep. than just uh, having to conceptualize it. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt you there, but no, but no, I, no, I you're just, good. You're good. I mean, it just reminds me like, look, when you're starting off, obviously you want to find great mentors as far as people that know the X's and O's that can teach you to write better programs and how to coach in queue. That's all important. But if you really want to learn how to be successful, I think for the long haul, not that the technical side isn't important, but the, the soft skills, right? The soft skills are critical as well. So I'm going to go man, I want to find the person that's trained the same people for 10, 15, 20 years, mm. right? Let me talk to those people. And, you know, sometimes they are truly elite, like high level coaches, right? Like they're just that good. But I guarantee if you coach somebody 10, 15, 20 years, you've got some intangibles there too, right? That's a great, you know what? That That is a great, great point. I, yeah. I actually am going to give people a, listening a, a actionable step, right? Yeah. So, so go to find two to three people, coaches that have had clients for really long periods of time and just and here's the thing too don't just ask to pay for coffee maybe go pay for a couple sessions with them right yeah and then get coached there you you'll go. see you'll see how you'll see how they coach you too by the way so you'll learn yep, from yep. that and then when you've invested because that's what's the right thing to do then ask them like hey listen how have you kept these clients for so long what are some things that you could like give me three to five things because if you do that what you're going to see is they're going to give you really good advice Probably about 70, 80% of it will be similar. Yep. And it's going to give you some insights on people that are actually doing it in the real world, giving you advice. Because that versus yep. like, hey, I'm 21. I've been doing this for 23 years. <laughs> hold up, hold right. Up. Right. Hold up. What do you mean? Like social right. media does weird shit like that. I'm like, hold up. What? Right. Um, I was so successful. I sold my gym. And now I'm just going to tell you how to run your gym. I'm, right? yeah, I'm, I'm 22. 22. I'm 22. <laughs> like, dude, when you just you started your gym when you're 13. I don't. Yeah, basically. Um, but <laughs> I think that's a, you made such a great point. It was like, why not model that part? And the thing is, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, there's some coaches that you're like, well, I don't agree with the way that they train people. That's okay. Right. You're there to learn yeah. that human part, that like, like likeness part, that connection part and extracting that because, you know, essentially go hunt for those skill sets Yeah, and don't go like they trained them. Leave that alone. Right. Yeah. You, you can be way better at that. 
But instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you can be like, this person's incredible at these skill sets. Maybe not so good here, but wow, yeah. like, let, let me try to learn that. So you talked about this on a podcast you and I did together for my show. I forget how you described it. You called it like hunting mentors or finding mentors, something along those lines. Yes, yeah, um, collecting role models and hunting for skill sets. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so not every mentor is going to teach you the same thing, right? Like if I want to learn movement, or if I want to learn table tests, I'm going to Bill Hartman, right? But if I want to learn force plates, that's not Bill Hartman's specialty. Right. So why would I use him in that instance? Right. Like nobody says you can only get one mentor or one person you get to learn from, like find subject matter experts in anything that you're passionate or excited about. Seek them out, take whatever you can and then synthesize all of that to make something that's your own. Right. Because the one thing that differentiates all of us at the end of the day is our own personality, our own unique experiences. So take all the stuff that you like from all these different people. It takes decades right? I'd make it sound really easy. It takes decades, but synthesize all this stuff, put it into who you are. And then now you have something unique and something that's truly like your own and not just something that's manufactured from a collection of other people's work. I love that because man, you know, I like the, I love analogies, but it's like Megatron, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just like the sum of its parts is even being so much better than each individual. But yeah. I like, you know, we were actually talking about this, not even on the show, but you know, I, I dove into Alex and the Terra stuff on isometric training. Mm -hmm. And like, I, you know, I, I feel I had a really good grasp on isometric training before. And then I was like, whoa, there's, there's a whole nother whole level, right? whole nother level to this, yeah. baby. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, and instead of being like, oh my God, like, I don't know these things. I was like, oh, I'm so curious. And right. I went through the course, started applying the course, you know, and the thing is, as you apply, like, I mean, I'm learning it. The next day I got the pro rugby team. The next day I got yeah. the uh, basketball kids. The next day I got three NFL guys, right? So yep. well, I'm like, I'm applying this. And as I'm applying yep. and I'm like, okay, this isn't flying. Okay. Oh yeah, this is great. This was excellent. And I start working, right? And it's like, same yep. thing you do, you know, I did, I've done, whether it's Altus mentorship, you know, or, or Lee Taft stuff, you know, all people that, yeah. you know, it's like, Hey, I want to be another notch up on my speed training, on my agility, on deceleration, acceleration, right? And, and again, would, would I go to Alex Natera about customer experience in the gym? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, but probably not, right? It's not, it's right. not what, he's, what he's exceptional world class at. The world yeah. class at, right? And this is what I think is in a skill set in of itself, right? That yeah. being able to go into this realm and like learning stuff, bringing it back, applying it, and then kind of, I would say, distilling. Yeah. You know? It's like, like fire, fire distills, right? And I'm like, yep. throwing the stuff into the fire <laughs> yep. when I'm coaching, because I'm doing it in the real world in the gym yep. with my clients. And then I distill the things that are working and the things that I, I'm like, okay, like the Bruce Lee, like I can use this consistently. This is very applicable in my, in my, it doesn't mean that like, it's not applicable somewhere else for somebody else. But for me, what I'm doing with who I'm doing it with this is applicable, right? And then you yeah. go again and you get, you know, it's almost like a chef. Right? Now I go to Asia and I get these ingredients that I've never cooked with. Boom, and I put it in and I distill, right? right. And it's forever. I mean, like, yeah. I, I feel like very dumb right now. And it's like <laughs> in a good way, you know, just in a good yeah. way, I'm like, I'm learning this stuff. Actually, that, that, that's my question for you to just answer. What are you feeling dumb in right now? And you're just like diving into most things in life. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, uh, that's a sign of a, of, a, of a true expert right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for me, I know you've talked to our guy, Drake from Hawking Dynamics. Yes. But like really like going back to, okay, I think the movement piece of our assessment at IFAS is world-class, right? Mm -hmm. But now how do I take that and how do I make objective numbers-based criteria that I can start to profile people with, right? So whether it's, you know, an isometric mid-thigh pull, a counter movement jump, any of these tests, I want to be able to take all the stuff that Bill does on the table and movement-wise. And I want to be able to take it and then put somebody on a force plate or in some form of like speed power assessment and say, okay, this is what we see here. This is what we see here. This is how we put all this together, right? To really make you an even more elite athlete. Because again, we're lucky, like we get a lot of high level people, but man, I'm kind of at that point in my career too, where as my kids are getting older, like they're going to be in the gym after school. Well, if I'm going to have them, I might as well have some other high school kids in there too. And you know, as well as I do, it's just a different ball game, right? A lot yeah. of pros, they've got the juice already. 
Like you don't make it to the NBA, NFL, if you don't have some juice, but little Johnny who's in high school with the credit card vertical, that's, that's a whole different <laughs> ball game, right? It's like, okay, like let's really dive in. What does this kid need to work on to get faster, stronger, more explosive? So yeah, I feel like a total noob because man, I went to school for this 20 years ago, thought I knew some things and I might have back then, but man, it's evolved a lot. And number two, I just haven't had my head down and focused on that for a long period of time. So, you know, like you said, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. This is something yeah. I talk about all the time, right? Overwhelm is natural, right? If you're not like really jumping into the deep end at times in your career, you're not challenging yourself. But I think the overwhelm is okay. And just know that it's a sign of, hey, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone, but this is something that could really help me level up as a coach and as a practitioner. So I try and like have that moment of overwhelm. Okay, take a deep breath, exhale, and then, okay, now what are my actionable items? What's the next thing I'm going to do to keep working down this path? Because, I mean, you know, you didn't become world-class as a coach or as a business owner overnight, but now once you are pretty good at something, you expect everything to happen quickly, right? It's like, oh, no, boom. Like, I should be good at this now. It's like, no, there's a process to it. It may be a little bit faster than it took to get good at the first thing, but it's still going to take time. I love that we're having this conversation naturally, too, because... I hope that, you know, everybody feels a little bit better about this. Meaning, you know, in, in fitness, when people hit a plateau, they get really like down, right? And I'm like, no, yeah. this is exactly what's supposed to happen. Like your plateaus are good. Like it, yeah. it means things are working. Yeah. Your body's like, nah, man, you know, there's a lot of change going on homeostasis, buddy. Right. You know, we're going to have to, and it's like, we're going to have to find a different way. But I think it's the same way, you know, for, I mean, look, you've been in a game. Again, we're both like two decades-ish, right? Yeah. Like yeah. plus minus. And but, and we're finding ourselves being like, oh my God, like, I don't know, you know, I want to know this better. Mm -hmm. Whoa, like, whoa, hold up. Like, there's this whole new world of like stuff that I wasn't even thinking about and contemplating. Now I got to dive in and I become a student, you know, and you should always feel like that in some format and just know that yep. when you hit a plateau, I feel like both of us are talking about that, right? Yeah. Plateau, overwhelm. Whoa, I don't know something as well as I want to know it. Okay, what are you going to do now? I'm right. going to dedicate some hours per week to this topic and I'm going to apply it. You know, what's the most important topic? One or two, because I can't do all of them. Right. And, let, and let's work, right? And it's like, do yeah. whatever you did when you started. It's just a different topic, probably. It's a different yeah. or a different level of skill set. Just like, you know, I think I'm really good at assessments and just, you know, but then it's like, hold up. This is a different level or, of assessment. Right. A different right. realm here. And I don't own this yet. Yeah. Right. But it's, yep. and I think that's so powerful. Like, if you got people that, you know, 20 years in are feeling overwhelmed or hitting a plateau and going like, all right, tie up the shoelaces, babe, let's go into the game. Right. Then if you're the first one, two, three, four, five, shit, 10 years, right. And you're feeling that good, natural. Yeah. This is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. Right. So I think that was, no, hey, that was point number two, maybe even three put sure. together organically. Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, here, I want to say one other thing, too. And I think this gets glossed over a lot. And you talk about this, I promise, every time we're either on a call or we're hanging out, you don't just educate yourself. You take something and you apply it. And you've said that like three or four times just in this show, but I think people gloss over that, right? They think it's as easy as, oh, I'm just going to buy the course. I'm going to go through the course. I'm going to go to the seminar. But if you don't change anything on the heels of that, then are you really getting better? right? Like you're, you're more educated, but you're not applying it. And you're not seeing how these things could make your systems or your process better. And I think that's something that we can't forget about, right? Like don't just do a course to do a course. Don't go to a seminar to go to a seminar, like go there with an open mind, good intentions of, Hey, look, I'm going to try and take some things. I'm not going to take it all. Right. Cause like you alluded to, not everything works in every context or every environment, but Hey, I'm going to take some things that I know will work that will apply and I'm going to put them in, I'm going to start using them and then really take ownership of that. Cause that's where real ownership happens. It's not from just learning something and taking notes and forgetting about it. It's once you've gone through it and you've really put pen to paper and you've tried it yourself. Now you start to take ownership of those things. And you have to, the thing is you have to wrestle with it, right? Yeah. Meaning the thing it's uncomfortable. is like, yeah, ab absolutely. Like if you, if you took something like, for instance, you know, let, let's say I go through Alex's course and I learned something about isometrics and even for us that have been in a game and then thousands of hours and tens of thousands of hours of coaching, it's still not like 
it may be faster, but I'm still like, hold up. This didn't go the way I wanted to. Ooh, I yeah. got to do this. I got to do this. I got, why is this not showing up on, you know, like X, Y, Z in a force plate? Whoa. Right. And I posted this on a story from a book that I was reading and I'm blanking on, cause I've, I've been reading like yesterday, I was reading three different books on a flight because <laughs> you know, I'm like on the flights. I love to yeah. read. Yeah. But this is, this is posted. I said, this is why you should write now. I promise you this transfers to why you should learn stuff and then work on it and implement it, right? Because it's that most of us don't appreciate how little we know about something until we have to write what we know down, mm. right? The picture is made clearer through the grueling process of capturing what's swirling inside our head and wrestling it down, wrestling it down onto a page. Now, parallel that to like exactly the same thing, but instead of writing, it's applying to coaching. Yeah. Right. It's it's like wrestling. It's uncomfortable. Like and through that uncomfortable, you get like that clarity, like, oh shit, okay, now I get it. Now I see this little tidbit. And I think that's, you said it, made a good point to not gloss over this, that you, like whatever you take, if you go through like 10 hours of study in a week and you're like, wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you're online teaching everybody about the stuff that you learned, but you never put it to play. You actually don't know it whatsoever, right? You don't, right? And that's how I know that, you know, when people actually coach people, you know, too, like in certain realms, you know, whether yeah. it's for me, it's always been when people talked about, you know, larger small group training and I was like, Oh, okay. You've never. And then I'm like, Hey, <laughs> how, how many small groups do you train per week? You know, how many people do you have? Well, I was like, well, I'm not actually, I'm not doing it yet. I'm like, got it. Like yeah. you have no idea what you're saying and what's reality with a thousand square foot gym, 12 people, three semi-privates in one part-time coach, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's like go. And they're like, what do you mean? Go. <laughs> and it's like, this is, this is real world. And that's why you right. got, that's why you have to take the stuff, wrestle it, go home, pull your hair out, be like me with no hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that and, path too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and then come back and it's like, and be a little bit better and, be, and then figure it out. And, and I think there's not enough of that going on as, as an average, right? When, when right. I look at like, as an average, it's not enough going because there's so much education out there, but I'm like, if you're spending 10 hours learning and one hour applying, that's a problem. Yeah, okay? that's, that's totally flip, man. Flip that. Spend but one hour bit, learning and 10 hours applying. Yes. Then you're yes. going to own I was something. just going to ask you about the ratio. And it's, yeah. and it's like, you know, as somebody, I heard him say 50, 50. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, if you learn one thing really well, dude, go like, go all in and become like yeah. really good at it. And then do the next thing, you know, or maybe a couple, yeah. but it's like learning for 10 applying for one is is no bueno yeah it's just not gonna work man and i mean you see it unfortunately more than we'd like right it's like yeah the person that that gets up there they can sound really smooth and really polished if they're just rehearsing somebody else's stuff but like man if you start asking them real questions and like prying and digging deeper it's very obvious who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't and i think unfortunately for young coaches it's hard because you just don't have that filter but the good news is the longer you do this, the more success you have, the more you can start to really, you know, figure out, okay, this person really knows what they're doing. And this person is just making really sexy reels on IG. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a, actually, I wanted to touch on this because I do, I've wrestled with this, you know, and I'm speaking on this in Dallas, I'm speaking on content that educates, entertains positions and sells, right? Well, and, I like that. And it's, my thought process around is I believe if you use it the right way, it's kind of like anything else, right? If you use it responsibly. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it can make you a better coach. What I said about writing, I think video is the same, but this is where the filter does come in, right? Because, you know, what I would always I say would do is if somebody's like explaining something and they're like, oh, you got to do this, 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 and that. Okay, great. Let's go right on the floor. Right. Show, show me this thing, right? And you'll know, like, do they do it? Do they not do it? And I believe that if you use it responsibly, content can actually just be a way of getting better at communicating and showing and becoming a better coach. I really, truly believe you can become a, a better percent. coach through content. When used responsibly and when you're giving advice on stuff you actually do, right? Yeah. And yeah. I would much rather, you know what? You know what would be a great piece of content? I probably need to start doing more of this is like, when you actually you share mistakes, right? Like you go, yep. hey, listen, when I do this, uh, and I've been doing this for a long time, like here's still something I do too often with clients. Okay, I find myself doing, you know, these two things and I'm practicing to get out of it. But here's the three things that I really got to focus on and do most, 
right? Because mm-hmm. my ego gets in the way. So, and it's like, that's, I think a good piece of content and it's real, right? Yeah. And and if you do that, to me, that's just uh, like educating others, real world stuff that you experience, plus becoming a better coach because you're, you're having to distill it, communicate it, you know, whether it's writing, whether it's speaking in front of a camera. Now you can get those practice hours in, but it has to be like, it's almost like this triangle where you're like, you learn, you have to apply it. Yeah. Right. And then you teach it and you distill and yes. then it's then, and then you reflect and then you kind of just keep going back through this kind of loop yeah. um, of, of a feedback loop. And, you know, I think if you can combine these two, cause I, I don't want to be the person that goes like, you should create no content first. You just coach like, you know, 10,000 hours. It's like, no, I don't think that's the way to go. But, you know, talking about stuff that you're not doing, uh, I think doesn't help you. No, right? because I agree. You, Cause you might convince yourself something that's not really true. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't agree more. Look, I did this un- unknowingly, unwittingly. Like I got my first article published on T nation in 2003. You do Hold the on, math, hey, Which was... one was the first one? Oh, I don't know more. No, no. That was like fifth. Cause me and Eric collabed yeah. on that. Uh, no, it was like something old school triceps. That was the oh, name wow. of it. And it was like, <laughs> just do big meathead exercises. But <laughs> I mean, look, 25, and I probably had 12-inch arms at the time. Like, what business did I have, like, telling anybody about arm training? But I have a passion to share. And so I think this is the great thing about social, about content creation. Like, if you have a passion for it, that's awesome. Again, the goal should be, like you alluded to, speak on things that you hopefully know things about, right? Number two, your goal is, if you're going to do this for the long haul, educate and put yourself in a position so that you can become an expert. Right. And I know you're a Gary V guy. I'm a Gary V guy. But like, I love Gary V's message that goes like this. It's like, work your ass off in the short term, right? Hustle hard day in and day out, but play the long game. And I love that message because too often people sprint for a month or two months. And it doesn't matter. It could be anything, right? It could be your business, training, social media. And then they're like pissed two months in when they're like, oh man, I haven't gotten anywhere with this. Like, okay. Do it for like 10 years and you will be somewhere. I guarantee it, but you've got to do it without expectations early on, right? So I think that's the bigger thing. It's not that you shouldn't create content for your first year, but don't expect to get a lot of traction for that first year, right? Because you're going to be learning not just about your craft, but how to communicate, right? How many books have you read about communication, Luca? Over, under. Ooh, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably close to 100 for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? And, And that's just like probably like really focused topics of just communication, communication, writing or speaking, not books that like talk about communication as part of the book. So it's like, that's such a big piece of what we do. We almost take it for granted now. And, you know, again, we've been doing this long enough, whether it's in a live session, whether it's on social, in a podcast, in front of a camera, you do it long enough that all of it becomes natural. It becomes more fluid. And man, you know what? This is another great point on this kind of like, how long does it take? And I think it was, I'm blanking. See, I, I read too much and then sometimes I make stuff <laughs> up, but like Shackleton syndrome, have you heard of it? Was it, it was the, the, the fighter in the, I think it was in the seventies that got shot down. No, and got caught. He was basically in captivity for seven and a half years in prison, tortured this, that, the other, right? Yeah. And, but, but they asked, you're like, where, where are we going with this? But his point was this, right? A lot of people that were, he, you know, he never gave up anything. He, because uh, he was an example of like keeping the morale high because he yeah. was just so steadfast. Like, hey, listen, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna break, right? But the thing is, he said everybody else that died and they, that kind of gave up was because their mentality was like, all right, we're gonna go home by Christmas, and Christmas came. All right, we're gonna go home by February. Okay, now we're gonna go home by. Th- okay, now we're gonna go home by, right? And, it's like they kept basically their, their morale kept dropping where he was like, I had faith that like for sure we're going to get out of here. Right. right. But I, but I had the reality of like not knowing when. So it was like taking it one day at a time, Yep. you know, and it's this, you know, cause you can be this extreme optimist that's not grounded in reality. Right. And I think yep. optimism is, is much better. I think optimism is a superpower, but when you're not grounded in reality, it's like, I'm an optimist. Hey, Mike, like, you know, I've been a coach for two, three years. I'm going to launch this course. It's going to kill it. Like I'm going to make a million. I was going to make a hundred grand. It's going to make 50. Right. And so yeah. it's like, I love your optimism. But the thing is, if you do that four, five, six, seven, eight times and it doesn't happen, you know, you might become a cynic and then you're a cynic and then, you know, life just is not great. 
So right. it's like, how can you keep the faith, right? Of, hey, like if I keep working at this, man, like I'm going to get really good. I'm going to be exceptional. I'm going to be excellent at it. But be grounded in reality is like, okay, like, look, this is my third, fourth year coaching. Uh, it's my first year doing content. Like I'm, my filter is I just want to be proud of this work, right? Like I'm going to put yep. out great work. It's valuable. I'm proud of it. And I keep, I have the faith it's going to happen. Yep. And I have these smaller markers the day, the week, that's it. And, and, but it's like, Hey, in three, four, five years, some good things are going to happen. And it maybe it pops off in two. Yep. Right. And yep. that having that mentality rather than those prisoners that were just like, it's going to happen next month. <laughs> no, actually it's right. going to be the next two, oh, you know, and you keep yeah. being let down. <laughs> So I think there's got to be a relationship between, you know, that like, hey, the faith, hard work, like positive attitude, but also reality, you know, same thing if economy's about to go to shit. Like you can't just be like, no, 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 no. It's not right. It's like, hey, like I'm going to prepare. Like I know things are going to turn out fine, but I'm going to have to, right. you know, bog down and like do the work because man, it's, it's about to get rough. I think balance of that, if you have that, you'll be better off. Cause you won't be on an absolute emotional roller coaster all the time, which I think yes. is, you know, to kind of bring it back to like very specific coaching stuff. And I've seen this by the way, like, you know, I know you've had a lot of coaches. I've had a lot of coaches. I've coached a lot of gym owners and coaches. And this tends to be a thing is like when you have coaches that are on an emotional roller coaster, right? It's like they're, they're up and then they're down and they're up and they're down. And the problem with that is, you're not giving clients consistency. Yes. So and this could be a point, I think, for, uh, you know, something that on the floor is really important is clients need consistency and they have a roller coaster in their own life. So they don't need your roller coaster. Matter of fact, right. your, your roller coaster is absolutely not good for them yeah. because they need stability in the gym and they need stability in your coaching. So if, you know, your cat died, I'm sorry. Like hey, you have to, you have to be able to deal with that, but you can't deal with it at the gym when you're coaching people, you know, if your relationship's crazy, like you can't deal with that and like spew that stuff on your clients. You can't, I mean, again, this is maybe not like an X's and O's of, of training, but I've seen this become such a downfall of even like really good coaches Yeah, where, you know, but it's like, can't keep that emotional uh, control. And because of that, that roller coaster, it creates, you know, toxic environments inside of the gym and clicks and this, that, the other. And I promise you, like you could, you know, you could show me coaching somebody, knowing your stuff in and out assessments, exercise selection, program design, co coaching cues, you're excellent, but you're like this, you're a roller coaster. And it's like, eventually the client's like, man, I love this guy, but I just, I can't, you know, can't deal with yep. that. They're not consistent. It's like they, they're bringing more drama. Like, man, I got my own drama. I don't need like what, what's going on. Right. And it's like, bye bye. Right. right. So have you have you, you know, in all your years of, of owning a gym too, have you seen that be a thing? Dude, I mean, I was that thing, <laughs> I think early on. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, just being realistic, like one of the best things I did as a coach was like really sort all my own stuff out for myself first. It's like, man, once, okay, like once I really started to put the pieces together, okay, like all the things we tell our clients and athletes, right? Training, nutrition, sleep, meditation and mindset, stress control, right? Good coping mechanisms. Man, you put like those five or six things in play for yourself, steady yourself out. It's amazing how much better you can be on a day-to-day -day basis in any area of your life, right? So all the things you tell your clients to do, you start doing those yourself first. <laughs> so that's the first thing. But yeah, man, we've had and we've had some just brilliant, wonderfully talented people that have come through our space. And a lot of them have gone on to do amazing things. But I, I've told some of them face to face, like, look, you are a world class talent. When you step out on the floor, your X's and O's, your brain, the way you approach training, world class. Your mindset is like junior varsity, bro. Like literally, you need to get out of your own head. You need to understand that until you fix some of the stuff that's going on inside you, it doesn't matter what role you have, what position you play, how much money you make, how much clout you chase. None of that's going to matter until you sort the stuff out on the inside first. Because look, you and I have both met those people, right? Outside looking in, man, they got all the things, right? Money, money like tons of followers, you know, everything looks amazing. Then you sit down for that with that person for five minutes behind closed doors. And you're like, this person's a mess, right? Or they're miserable. Okay. 
So you got to sort your own stuff out first. And sometimes you have to have those discussions with the people that you're mentoring or that are working for you. Like, hey, man, I love you. And so this is the tough love side of this, right? Like I can tell you, go do X, Y, Z, and you'll be a better trainer or coach. But again, it keeps coming back to this foundational principle of if you're not a great human being, if you don't really care about other people, if you're not willing to be a servant first, you're probably going to struggle as a coach. Ooh. I mean, this has become a life coaching thing, but you know what? Like, no, <laughs> I'm listen, at that point, listen. bro. No, but this that point. thing is notice. I, I actually want to bring it to the forefront because why do we keep coming back to it? Because it's so important. Even it's not even a point that we had down to discuss. No, it keeps coming back to like that. You have to work on yourself. Right. Yeah. And again, it comes back to like being a great human part. And you know, what's very interesting is like in this last week, I met and sat down with there are people from a different industry. So I really didn't know, you know, status, this, that, the other, and I'm yeah. just having a conversation and so, so on and so forth, you know? And, um, and basically it's like, you know, I'm hearing a lot of like what's wrong and insecurities and like this, that, the other. Yep. And just, you know, having good conversations, real conversations, then later finding out like, holy shit, like folks have a huge following. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the same time I was, was like, wow, like, but here I, you know, I was listening to just a lot of what's going on. That's not good. It's, you know, but from the outside in vast majority of people following this person yep. are like, man, greatest life. Holy shit. I want to yeah. be like that. And yeah. I'm there going, you know, they're, they're sharing with me like, well, I got to change a lot of stuff. This ain't going good. Right. And, and <laughs> right. so it's, I think that's important for people to hear because if you're in check with yourself, right. And look, the reality of it is you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be a millionaire and rich in the first, you know, and look, there's some outliers, but like, you know, the first three to five of, of the industry, like you should be working on being the best human possible, building up your skill sets, being around great uh, other great people to mentor yeah. you and show you how being a great human looks like. Yeah. Right. And building up your clientele, your positioning, being a linchpin, being a person of service. And again, like I do think, you know, that sometimes if you can't be that person that cares, because caring is a super, you, you said it, like if you yeah. care about people, you just, you go the extra mile, like you do the extra thing, you work harder, you study a little bit more, like you do, like may not be for you. Yeah. And that's okay, right? And that's okay, because maybe something else will be, but I, this it comes back to that part of it, that <laughs> no matter what you do, you got to work on yourself, and which means not just physical weightlifting, you got to do your, your mental and your emotional weightlifting, yeah. right? And, and your, I would say even your values weightlifting, yes. I just added that one, which means I like that integrity, right? Like do the stuff that you value and you say that you value, it's got to show in the real world. Uh, and from there, I wanted to take it a little bit more too, maybe a little bit on the X's and O's side. Yeah. When we go to on, on the floor coaching, yep. the, uh, you know, what do you feel are those non-negotiables? You must do them, young Jedi. You know? <laughs> yep. So I would say part of these are going to be long-term process-oriented things, and some of them are going to be very actionable on the day-to-day. -day. I think one of the first things you have to do is over the long haul, you have to create your own models for what you want movement to look like, right? And here's what I mean by that. You and I could be talking about a squat. But let's say when I think of a squat, I'm thinking more of like a front squat type pattern, right? Very upright, knees over toes, lots of angles through the shins. But let's say you're a power lifter. And so when you think of a squat, you're thinking like a big low bar back squat. You know, tibia is like straight up and down, sitting way back. Well, if you and I haven't clearly defined what our model is, and we can't have that discussion first, you and I could sit here and argue about what a good squat looks like until the cows come home. And we could never have an agreement on it because we're looking at things from totally different ends of the perspective. So I think for starters, over time, you got to create your own movement models. That's number one, right? What does a squat look like to you? Like, what is a really perfect squat? What does a really perfect hinge? What does a really perfect split squat look like? Start to check those boxes. Once you have those, the second thing is forget about anybody moving perfectly in the gym. <laughs> you and I talked about this before the show. Like people want to talk about, oh, perfect form. I only coach perfect technique. Man, please, if you have somebody that has perfect technique, send me the video right now. You don't even have to put it on the gram. DM me. 
send me a message. I'll give you my number. Text me whatever perfect movement you have so I can look at it, right? Nobody moves perfectly. Now, I just said, have a model, right? Having a model is important, but also know and understand nobody is going to perfectly subscribe to that model, okay? So the goal is we're always chasing perfection, right? You know, it's never, we're never going to attain it, but we're chasing it. And then the third thing I would say to that is that just because somebody isn't going to move perfectly doesn't mean we're not chasing it on a day-to-day. So I actually learned this from one of my interns. I think he was probably a coach at this time, but his name was Eric Huddleston. He had such a great way of explaining this. He said, my goal anytime somebody is in the gym is for them to improve one letter grade on every activity. So just think about that, right? I mean, it would be great if everybody walked in, you and I, we're just coaching A's and B's on everything, right? Like they're perfect. How many times you had somebody come in, you're like, yo, yo, that's like a D, right? So the goal isn't to take somebody that's a D and get them to an A. The goal is to take somebody that's a D, you alluded to this before, keep them safe, right? But how can we help them move better? How can we get them from a D to a C in that session? And then hopefully they retain that. So the next time they come in, maybe they're like a C minus. Now we're trying to get them to a B minus. So it's just those little bits of progression stacked over weeks and months and years where you see these huge transformations in how people move and feel. But I think it starts with the model, right? Chasing that perfection and then just trying to get a little bit better every day. I think that's so good. <clears throat> that's so good because, you know, I, I don't think a good model is it depends, right? Yeah. Um, right. I mean, because, it's a cop out. Yeah. It's, it's a, a cop but what, out. But what I'm saying that like, even if, you know, even if you're teaching your coaches, it should be like, this is what we're looking for. But, you know, if you have somebody that's powerlifting, you might see this and that's okay. Right. Like, yeah, that has to be the breakdown, but it's like, this is what we're shooting for. Yeah, because it, it depends doesn't answer the question, right? Like, right. And then that whole idea, and yeah, we talked about it on earlier was like, you know, kind of two things to do like with clients when it comes to coaching is like safe and better, right? Yeah, Make sure that they're safe, get them better. I think that's a great like analogy though. It's like taking them from a D to C or even from like a you know, there's there's levels there too. It might be a, yeah. a D minus. Can we get them to a D or a D plus? before right. it's a C minus, right? Like, yeah, just, just making them just go along that continuum. Because again, it's going to be it's going to be time. Like, I remember one, I mean, I know you've had a ton, we both had a ton, but like, there's one specific example that I remember somebody that worked for Microsoft came in and the posture was, I mean, extreme, <laughs> it was extreme. Yeah. I mean, and I've already at that point in time, coached a lot of people, but it was to me, I was like, Whoa, right. And let's say that was called, that was an F minus. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, how do you, if you have this picture of a model of like what great looks like, and you're so far away from it, mm-hmm. right? If you, and I think this is important, if you're trying to coach this person to like a plus and the way that you speak to them as a plus, they get very frustrated. Yes. And it might, it actually might make yes. them leave. It would make me probably leave. Right. Cause it's yeah. like, the disconnect is so massive. It's so massive. It's like you're you're a year and a half to two years away from yeah. A plus maybe, right? Maybe, yeah. right? And so I can't speak to you like this because you'll just feel like you're wrong all the time. You're not doing anything well. So if I can give this person like, okay, can I keep them safe? What does a little bit better look like, right? Yeah. What does a little bit better today look like? Great. Let's coach them up to that and celebrate that and shine a light on that. Yeah. And then just keep tweaking along that alphabet, you know, and may, <laughs> maybe some yeah. people are a Z, but right. It's, it's just keep moving along that alphabet and then getting them better. I think that's huge and, and powerful point for any coach. Yeah. Well, and here's something else that I think will help with that too. A lot of times when you're struggling to see success, not always, but a lot of times it's because you're trying to chase too many different things, right? Somebody's squatting. Oh man, their feet are kind of caving in. Oh, and then their knees are in. And their backs really are. So you're trying to fix all these things at once, right? No, no. Take that step back. What's the one thing? So this is something I teach our interns very early on, right? If you see 10 things that's wrong, that's fine. Assume that Bill sees 20 or 30, right? (laughs) It doesn't matter. You're not going to fix it all. Find the one thing that you can focus on, right? And really hammer that. Because maybe that one thing, and you get better at the one thing as you go, right? You're not so worried about, 0.02 degrees of internal rotation they're missing you're focused on the fact that you know their nose is like touching their knees 
in the bottom of a squat, right? You find the big thing and then you can focus on it. But I think one other thing that I would try and impress upon people too is you can have your model, right? But also understand that two different people may have totally different representations of said model. So here's what I mean by that. Let's take a squat, right? And I know you pushed some heavy weights. I power lifted for a while. Like looking at my body, I got really long legs, relatively speaking, and a really short torso. Not ideal for squat mechanics, right? Like I have to sit really far back. I look hunched over. It basically looks like a good morning. It's never going to look like a pretty squat. Now, I can make that look as pretty as I can using different constraints, right? I could elevate my heels. I could put a load in front of my body so I could front squat or plate squat. It's going to help, but it's never going to look as good as the person that's got really short, stubby thighs and a really long torso, right? So I think this is part of it too. Have your model and then understand that just because you have that doesn't mean every person or client or athlete that you coach is going to fit that model perfectly. It's just, it's one of those little things that I think takes a long time to figure out. At least it did for me, you know, understand that everybody's going to move a little bit differently. You've kind of got this gold standard model, but everybody's going to have a little bit different representation as to how they get there. It, it's like, um, uh, that book at the Eric recommended to me a long time ago, but, um, uh, av- like something like average doesn't exist. Um, uh, and, and it was, it was a great example of like how they, when they were making fighter jets, right. They, they found out what the average weight height width of every pilot was. And then they created this cockpit and a plane and like 60% of the people couldn't fit into it or something like that. Right. Right. But it was the average, right. But it was just like, yeah, but that's not how it works though. Right. Some people are like this, 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 and the average is not going to mean that that's going to be a model to shoot for. And I think it's, I used to do this. I don't do it anymore because I think I have the images in my head, <laughs> but I would take these, you know, pictures of, a squat and like even if i had to make adjustments to a heels up whatever and of different clients and i'd have like 20 different clients and i would go you know swipe and just see the different positions and still you know it was like good it was pretty you know neutral spine the position of the pelvis was good but it still looked so different yes and all and i was like that's good that's good that's good that's good that's good but look they're all different right and it's a teaching tool for coach for for my coaches to be like you know and go like hey you know what do you see what do you think? Is this okay? You know, what would you, what would you maybe coach up? I think that's very, very important, which I mean, means that you got to do, if you're a solo coach, you got to do it a lot. But I think yeah. if you're, if you're have coaches under you, like you really got to do hands-on. And I think a role play and having them see it a lot so that they can go, Hey, like, okay, I know what's good and you know, what's not that good and like how to progress it and move it along. But, you know, imagine you got the best anybody will ever get to a squat. And of course, that's a, you know, you can always improve, but, but you're trying to coach them to this like yeah. unicorn, you know, and then yeah. they're just like, what the, you know, what the fuck? Like, this is, <laughs> like, like, Bruce so much, but I can't get it right. right. I think that's important to, to, to not do that. And I used to do that by the way, right? Like I, I used to do that where it was just like, I had this like perfect squat in my mind and just coaching the hell out of it. And like, people would just be like, man, like, I'm not getting this. I'm, you know, I'm a yeah. failure. I suck. Like, I just, I just can't do this. And that's, that's on you as a coach to be able to improve. Yeah. Right. So funny anecdote here, but one thing that you said earlier, I can just backtrack for a second. This idea of sharing mistakes, I think is incredibly valuable, especially if you're an OG coach, if you've been doing this 15, 20, 25 years, share your mistakes. We still make them. I think it, it humanizes you. It humbles you. And it lets the young coaches that are up and coming know like mistakes are part of the game. But I very clearly remember one day where we had this girl in our gym and just imagine very thin girl. She probably wasn't more than 110 pounds. And again, just to give you a visual, she had very large breast implants put in. Okay. Now you may be wondering what's the point of this? Well, what does that do to your center of gravity? It pushes everything forward, right? So now just imagine pushing everything forward, arching your back. That's how this woman stood all day, every day. Now, I'm trying to get her to hinge. Every time she hinges, she has back pain. Well, okay, maybe she just doesn't need to hinge. You know, back in the day, it's like, oh, no, you have to check these boxes. Yeah, everybody has to squat, hinge, push, pull. You know, we all know the list. And that's great in a perfect scenario. But for this woman, that just wasn't on the table, right? So it's like being okay with, hey, here are the basic rules. And then, as you've alluded to a couple of times in this show, once you know the rules, then it's like, okay, 
but how do you manipulate or change the rules based on the constraints in front of you? So in this given case, hinging wasn't an option for this woman because anything we did that looked like a hinge or moved like a hinge hurt her. So it's starting to understand like, hey man, once you know the rules to the game, then you can start to play around, you can start to tweak and really evolve how you do things. I know that's a wacky example, but I think it's a great example, right? Because it, it's I've a actually, practical example. Yeah, it's, it's a practical as guys, example. it may not be something you're comfortable talking about, but you know, we've had a handful of women that are in that very similar instance. One had horrible back pain, another one had horrible neck pain. And so you start to find these themes where maybe it's an uncomfortable or an awkward situation or discussion early on. But if you handle it professionally, comes back to, hey, now I've got a better relationship with this yep. client. I better understand them, their needs. I can take better care of them. And you know what's I think really important? This example and scenario is that if you, you know, if I ask you, do you, do you remember what the her goal was? She was just pure body comp, right? Body wanted comp, to look yeah. cute, wanted to just stay fit, healthy, all that good stuff. So it's like, okay, because so easy to get stuck in this. All right, squat, hinge, push, pull, single leg power, right? Like, right. It's like we got a hinge, we got a hinge, we got a hinge. What's and then you go through all these different variations. Maybe you do find one that's like, okay, you know, landmine RDL, and maybe that feels okay. Right. Or maybe it doesn't, right? And then right. it's like, okay, well, what can we do to build glutes and hamstrings? Well, shit, there's a million different things we can do that right. doesn't involve the hinge, yep. right? And you just have to get out of that, like, you know, like, but if I'm not hinging with people, I'm a bad person, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, right. But that's I'm one not, of the five big movement patterns, yeah, you know? Exactly, right? You're all right, and, man. You'll be all right. And I think that, you know, there's so, this is why, and I know we talked about this in another episode, like this is why being in, you know, the arena, yeah, it gives you, like, it gives you stuff that you just can't ever learn, you know, yeah. if you're not hands-on, it doesn't, you know, if you're not putting in the hours and putting in the reps and, you know, learning and applying these reps and just going like, hold up, this is going against everything that I learned, but now you got to deal with the scenario. But, but those, those times are what makes you such a great coach. And I would, I would, you know, argue that if we did, a, maybe we should do this, by the way, maybe one of the future podcasts should be where we're taking like examples that are out of that, like kind of realm. Yeah. And like, what do we do in those scenarios? Because I feel like somebody can learn so much from going, you know, the example you just gave is excellent. That, that yeah. extreme form that I just mentioned, you know, we could probably go down a list. Yeah. Vertebrae. I've had a client with which we figured it out in orientation when we're still doing group orientations, you know, where we're doing like a Spider-Man lunge with thoracic rotation. Right. And, yeah. um, and I wasn't running the orientation, but my coach was like, Hey, Luca, like, can you help me? I don't, I don't know what to do. And it was basically, they couldn't rotate. And then as I talked with them, I was, they were like, yeah, I have a metal rod from my cervical spine into my sacrum. Right. So their degrees of rotate, they had some, but it was like yeah. such minimal degrees of rotation. Yeah. And then we were, we were kind of going like, okay, you know what, what do we do here? Like, what, this is completely kind of breaking the model. You, you know, you teach right. a coach and, you know, they ended up getting like, they lost 40, 45 pounds. We're able to move better. We're able to do a bunch of stuff. Obviously, they're, they're you know, they're never going to get 11 degrees of thoracic rotation or whatever, right? But right. the point is, is like, I think that learning from coaches that have been doing it for a long time, that have seen a lot of these scenarios, one-on-one, athletes, group training, you know, where it's like, hey, I thought we we're gonna have 80 people in in charity boot camp and 149 show up, right? Like, <laughs> right. what do you do? You know, and I've had yeah. tons of these where I think people will learn so much from that, you know. And of course, it's not the same as actually being in it yourself, but I do feel like it's. I love learning about that. Like, I love going like, hey, what did you, Mike? What what did you do in this scenario? Yeah, and it's like, oh, you know. Like, yeah. the, what would Jesus do bracelet? I got a, what would Mike do bracelet? I got a, what would, you know, I got, I got all these bracelets of what would people do? Cause I have some type of framework around, yeah, you know, how, how they would see this perspective and, and break down the principles too, right? You, yeah. you, you did it. You're like, Hey, here was, here's what's happening here. This is not going to fly well, May, or maybe it does later down the line, but let's cut it out right. from the get go and give them the results, make them feel good. And then move forward. I, I think that's actually a, a really, really good point. Uh, but what's here's another thing. So if you if you could kind of on on the floor coaching, you know, going back to that Jedi analogy, the toolbox. You know, what are what are what are the things that you want the, the coaches to have on the floor in that toolbox? And some of them, obviously, we've already talked about. Is there any others that you're like, man, they need to learn this skill set and put that in their toolbox? Um, 
yeah. to make them as successful as possible early on. Yeah. I mean, the first we talked about like having a model, understanding like progression of movement in the course of a session. I think those are huge. Uh, when we talk about communication, I think learning to be succinct in your communication is super important, right? So if you're trying to demo an exercise and it takes you five minutes to yep. explain the activity and why they should Wait, do man. it, yo, nobody's listening to you, man. <laughs> you know, so we really try and like make it as succinct as possible. I had my guy G as an intern last fall and I was like, look, man, it should be the name of the activity, couple bullet points, like one or two bullet points on setup, one or two bullet points on execution, show it, let them do it. Right. The whole thing should take like a minute. Setup, execution, show, do. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it's boom. Take notes, guys. Take notes. So being succinct, queuing and bullet points. I mean, a lot of this stuff is stuff that I've talked about either in the cert or on like YouTube videos, but like being succinct, if you can coach in bullet points instead of, okay, when you do this activity, I need you to no, uh, soft knees, belt buckle up, chest out, right? Like one or two words, bullet points. How would you create a list in Microsoft Word or in your notes app? That's mm-hmm. how you should strive to cue, right? Because people are going to remember that. The more you talk, the less they remember. So that would be one. Well, the more you talk, the less they remember. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> Listen, the more you talk, the less they remember. That's a principle. So based on that principle and that layout that Mike just had, practice that. That's a toolbox. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. That was awesome. The more you talk, less they remember. The second thing I would say is like once you have your movement model, and this is again, this is something that's going to take some time, but create some form of progression and regression chart. Right. And I've heard some people try and poo-poo this idea. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Every good coach in some way, shape, or form progresses and regresses activities. Right. Your your pathway, your model may look different than mine, but all of us try and move people down a certain progression, right? You want people to move better. You in a perfect world move them from more isolated exercises to more integrated. Things that are maybe very simple to perform or execute to things that are more complex. That's a perfect world. But also know and understand that, hey, within a session, like even if I take somebody through an assessment and I think, oh man, no, they can really do this like lunge variation. And on that day, they do it great. And then I put it in their program and they show up day one and they're like falling all over the place, right? They look like a baby deer. Okay, well, how can I regress that person, right? What's the next level down or what's two levels down? Or on the flip side, you know, they look kind of sus when they're doing this lunge in the assessment, but I think they can do it. So I give it to them. Now they're killing that. Well, I don't want to bore them for the next month with an activity they've already mastered. So what do I progress them to? And this is something where initially you probably have it laid out it's on a piece of paper and Hey, here's my like squat progression. Here's my hinge progression. Here's my split squat. Over time. It's just like intuitive, right? You're like, Oh, you know, I've got five activities I could take them to, to regress them from a lunge to a split squat. But this is the one I know they're going to be successful with. Boom. It's like the difference from shooting everything with the old analogy, right? It's like, do you want a shotgun or do you want a sniper rifle? The longer you do this, the more you go from blunt tool of destruction to, man, no, I'm just capping fools from a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) What a great, great analogy. I'm glad glad you brought it to that. You'll remember that, then I'll know. That's That's right. I mean, I I do think, look, uh, you're absolutely right. As a model, because we talked about, if I'm teaching people, I do want them to have like, Ours is when I teach that small group model. I too, I go two regressions, a progression, and lateralization. You know, yeah. just hey, what's yeah, what's the thing that they can do if they can't do that pattern, but works kind of yes. like the same muscles. I think it's a good start. Yeah, it's not it's not perfect because what you should do is have really big toolbox where you can quickly adjust because you understand it so well. Yes, and um, I would add one thing to a toolbox that I think is is questions is asking great questions and like there's literally books I'll, I don't know, I'll put them in the show notes but like there's books on questions yeah okay? and one one excellent book is the coaching habit i love that book because that's like a whole model of of questions that allow allow you to help people to actually break like for them to figure out what their challenge is and how you can help them with it mm. it's really good yeah. um but you know again i think coaches at the beginning tend to talk too much part of his yes. insecurity of like, hey, I want to show people that I know what I'm doing, been there, done that. And, you know, and you you said it, right? 
the more you talk, the less they understand and the opposite yeah. way around. So that's where I think questions come in, where when you ask questions, you know, it's like, I think Jim Rohn initially said it. I think Martin Rooney really kind of uh, drilled this into me, which was, you know, to be interesting, you have to be interested. Yeah. And when you're asking exactly. questions, you know, people feel important, which they are, they should. But the questions allow you to learn more about them. It allows you to connect to them more. It allows you to know what things feel like if they're bugging them, if they're frustrated with it. You can't, if you don't ask questions, then you can't really find that out. And I think, again, building your toolbox of questions is really, really, really powerful. And um, here, here's the thing too, like as, as we're kind of r- running up on the, the end of the show, because man, like we could talk about coaching for like till 2024 February and take a little break. <laughs> right. You know I mean? right. But, and th- but here, here's the deal. Like a lot of what we're covering uh, and then way more and deeper is your complete coach certification, which is coming to the ground fitness and for performance yes. at the end of, end of March. So, but here, here's the thing, like in, you know, break down what will coaches learn, you know, from going through the certification. Now me personally, again, like I've gone through it and it's look to me, it's on, on the list. When people ask me, like, you know, I get this in stories all the time and I always post it and I go like, Hey, yeah. what are the must coaching certifications for any coach? And like complete coach is one of them. It's that good. But just kind of breaking down a little bit on, you know, what coaches will get from attending. Yeah. Well, look, one of the things that has always helped me in this day of distraction is finding ways to do things live. I still don't think like there's any replacing live in-person opportunities to learn. But literally what I tried to do was, okay, here is the course. If you sign up, you get the course as an add-on. So that's a pretty sweet deal right there. Oh, that so you, basically so you, get the, you get the you get, you get the whole live cert. and you get the certification. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. Because I didn't even I'm, know that. Right? Be- but here's why we do this. Because I want you to be able to go through the cert first if you want. But then we're going to go through it in real time. Right? Like we're going to go through step by step. What does my model look like? What does our assessment process look like? How do we write programs? How do we coach and cue people? And I think being able to do that stuff live affords you the opportunity to to ask me like, hey, Mike, this just doesn't make sense to me. Or Mike, I do this. Why do you do that instead? Now we can have these conversations and I can either help you better understand why I do things or I can assure you, no, like, hey, look, in your environment, this is the right thing to do. You're doing things perfectly. So it allows us that time to flesh these things out. It allows us time to work together, right? Like one of the big pieces of feedback I got kind of a negative, not really. But, you know, when I first created the cert, people were like, oh, you've got like 130 exercise demos in there. But you also have a guy that works for you doing them all. So he moves really well. So like, can you give us examples of people that don't move well? So after the fact, I did like a two day course and I brought in like six or seven other coaches. And for two days, all I did was coach them and we documented the whole thing. So you can see six different body types, squatting, hinging, lunging. So now imagine being able to do that live and in person at a course. So like yours is going to be like the fourth, but we did one at Matei's place. We did one at Andy McCloy's place, uh, Steve Calarco. We've done a couple of these, but it allows us to really dive in and like answer the questions you have. Because literally the day one, the first thing we do, I say, what do you guys want to learn about this weekend? What are you struggling with? So we create a whiteboard list of all the things you're struggling with. And then I figure out ways to answer your questions in the context of the course for that weekend. And it goes back to what initially talked about, right? Like when you do a course and you do like this certification is that you're actually solving two things. You're learning, but you're applying right then and there. So the learning and the feedback loop is so much faster that you're leaving the weekend going right back, going like, man, like I can actually apply this right now. Yeah. With, with a much shorter learning curve because I've actually done it and I've done it with people that have been doing this for a long time. And that's what I, I mean, that's what I love about things like this period. But when you're, you're such a great teacher and you've been doing it for so long and you're such a real world person, which is you know what I love. And again, what we started with, that if you're a coach anywhere, but definitely if you're in a Seattle area, meaning it's Washington State, Oregon, Idaho, anywhere where you can drive to, BC, Canada, man, you got to be here. I'm telling yeah. you, because it's like, this doesn't happen a lot. And so the opportunities like this, you got to jump on them. We will be putting the link in the show notes for obviously for the certifications. 
message us if you got any questions. Yes. Obviously, we're always open to share. And you get three days with with me and Mike. I mean, which come on now. It'll be epic. C4 is on me, baby. That's right. Um, <laughs> well, possibly C4. Uh, That's but, right. Well, definitely, listen, man. Like I time when we we talk, because this, you know, I always say, like, this is probably the conversation that we'd have if yeah. the mics weren't on. Like literally, like this is, you yeah. know, if we catch up, we're having food, and this is how me and Mike are talking and and trying to, I would say, put it in structures that allows everybody that's listening to to learn a lot. And like, you know, we're we're gonna continue to share all our experience. And again, as we continue to ourselves learn and improve and continue yeah. to grow. You know, every time we do a show, it's like new stuff because we're not the same person, right? Yeah. It's, and so that's how it's supposed to be. My brother, as always, thank you. This was phenomenal. Uh, by the way, we'll put all of like where you can find Mike's site, which has incredible articles, by the way. You've been writing a lot more, again, yes. which I love because I read all your stuff. They said thank blogs you. are dead. I'm like, what are you talking about? Good content will not Good die. content will win. And um, in, in Mike's Instagram, YouTube, We'll put all of that in the show notes. I'm telling you, this this person's a wealth of knowledge. And if you're a coach in the industry, if you're not following him, you're crazy. Seriously, you're crazy. So make sure you follow Mike, sign up for the certification, and we'll have you back on the show soon. Appreciate you, my friend. Love it, man. Thanks, brother.